Hey everyone, Greg Meskel back with you here on a brand new episode of What's Good. Today we head down to the Wubble, the WNBA bubble, and we're joined by Jackie Jamelis. Jackie, thanks for being here with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Now, Jackie, I know you have had an interesting bubble experience, perhaps more than most, moving from one team to another while you were still in the Wubble. What has it been like to be part of this whole scene down there in Florida? Um, you said it. I mean, it's a very interesting year, very interesting season for the WNBA. Um, coming in and having the expectation of finishing the season with one team, um, and then the last day of cuts, finding out 15 minutes before the deadline that I was waived, um, and you know, completely blindsided by it. I was really, it was really an unexpected situation. My agent didn't know anything about it. I surely didn't know anything about it. Uh, and it just kind of snuck up on me at the end. Um, you know, I think the WNBA, it's, it's so unique because it's so much about fit. Um, you know, if you fit in with the system, if you fit in um, to what they need, then you're on the team. It's not necessarily if you're not good enough, you don't make the team or you're not good enough, you're, you know, you're safe or this and that. It's just, it, it, you know, we had a situation where we had one of our post players that wasn't healthy and wasn't playing. Um, and the team felt like they needed an extra body to play in the post. So I was the last person, um, you know, the easiest person, the, the best person for them to wave um, in their mind. So, you know, I was really devastated, really sad because I had built, you know, a good relationship with the coaching staff and the players. And I was starting to um, kind of buy into my role. I wasn't playing a lot, but just still kind of accepted the situation, worked hard in practice, had a good attitude felt like I was, you know, a positive influence for the team. And then, you know, right when I kind of got comfortable is when things kind of just unraveled and, um, you know, chaos kind of started there. Um, so that was sad. And then, you know, I was in my mind thinking, okay, I'm going to uh, pack my things up, you know, start looking ahead and probably going to go back home. And then within 24 hours, my agent calls me and she said, you're not going anywhere. You know, Washington uh, wants to sign you for a seven day contract. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, I guess it's just the same situation. Just let's switch uniforms. Um, and you know, my initial thoughts were, do I have to change rooms? You know, I, I have all my stuff in here. I'm like, I'm on the same floor right next to all my Connecticut teammates. Um, they were like, no, no, just stay there. So I was literally in the same situation, just a different team, new gear, um, and then obviously a new system. Um, and you know, I, I really liked the system in Washington. That was a team that was in need of bodies. And it was a team that I was going to get to play immediately. Um, so I think it ended up working out in my favor and worked out well for me. Um, and then that seven day contract contract turned into the rest of the season contract. So, um, everything happens for a reason. So I'm here and I'm happy. Well, I, I was thinking about kind of fate intervening and you move from Connecticut to Washington, your minutes have doubled, right? I know the wins haven't come the way you've wanted, but it has been an opportunity for you to play more. And it's interesting the way you described kind of the transition because I'd heard of someone else getting cut and then getting re-signed before they left the Wubble. And I wondered if that was like the way it worked. If you got cut, you were like, let me see who's around. Can I find another team before I leave? But it sounds like you thought you were just heading home. Yeah, I mean, I think that you always kind of have that initial thought like, okay, you know, will another team pick me up? Um, but at that time, I I didn't know if it was going to be possible. I wasn't 
really thinking about it. I think I was just so devastated about the Connecticut situation. Um, and just, you know, I kind of emotionally just let myself go from it. Um, but then, you know, I, I, when I got that call 24 hours within, it was just like, Oh wow. Like wake up call. You're still in this thing. You have a new coaching staff, a new team to try and impress and to try and prove that, you know, you're worthy and you should be on the floor. Um, so it was just like a fast mind adjustment that I had to make. Um, and then, you know, just like having to redirect my thoughts, like, okay, you're not going anywhere, like get refocus type thing. So that's just kind of how it was. In your college days, you played at USC. I encourage everyone to go to usctrojans.com, check out this great feature on Jackie that kind of chronicles your journey. And, and to say that you're an expert in perseverance is putting it mildly, right? To get, to get cut and to find a new team, you know, you have been through other things. I don't want to make you go through it all, but we'll just sum up that you have had a lot of uh, injuries, five ACL tears, eight knee surgeries. You, of course, know the history. When I read those stats, I, I want to talk to the person that's you and ask, when this happens once and then it happens twice, it happens three times, what is it inside of you that says, I'm going to get up and try and do this again? Um, you know, I think for me, it was just my childhood. My childhood had such a big impact on uh, why I love the game so much and why I have such a passion for basketball. Um, just like the dedication, the sacrifice, the time, the energy, the money that my parents put in to me and my sister growing up and being able to play basketball and soccer and, you know, being able to, to do different sports, um, just seeing what they went through um, to make sure that me and my sister had these great opportunities growing up and just remembering all of the countless practices driving from one end of California to another or different AAU tournaments all throughout the country and um, going from one high school practice to an AAU practice to a clinic to a camp, you know, it's just so much um, time that was put into things. And um, I had such a, a unique high school career. You know, I was one of the top players in the country before my injuries. Um, so I think that I, I always um, held on to that feeling of kind of being the, like the best and never never wanted to give up and just say, okay, I was this great high school player and then I couldn't come back from injury. And that was, you know, the end of my career because I wasn't able to beat this ACL injury. Um, so for me, it was just like remembering, uh, you know, remembering the road that led to everything, always wanting to feel that, um, that feeling of being the best again. And I, I think, I think just when you have that experience, you don't want to let go of it, especially not because of something that's not in your control. You can't control injury. You can't control tearing your ACL and these things. Um, so it was just, I just had a mindset to get back to the top. Um, and just, I wanted to be a part of the most elite league in the world and that's the WNBA. So I think that my passion for basketball, my love for the game, um, and just my childhood were all reasons that really led me to never wanting to give up and always feeling like I could overcome it, that I was able to get through another ACL injury and just really taking it day by day. You know, you look too far ahead and it's overwhelming. My dad always told me it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Um, and I think I just always had the right mindset in order to have the outcome that I wanted. 
um, with the people around me too. If I didn't have my family and friends and my support system, my tribe, um, it would have been impossible for me not to be able, um, you know, to do these things. So I, I commend the people that that were around me as well. And and you hit on it uh, growing up in in the Central Valley area, right? Stockton, California, you're probably driving literally the five nonstop to, for, for all kinds of basketball tournaments. Yeah, you, you know it, exactly. Now, I get the idea that you want to pay off the investment that mom and dad make, right? But at a certain point, I'm sure even they're saying like, don't do it for us. Like, you know, if, right. if, if you want to do something else, by all means, do it. Um, what, what was it that you maybe gained in perspective along the way from the, the second comeback to the third and so on to say, not only do I want to do it, but I can do it. Yeah. I mean, I think every time that I came back from the injury, I knew that I was on my way um, to, to greatness again, you know, so to speak. Um, there was always that, those flashes of greatness that would come out after tearing my ACL. And then, it, you know, obviously it, that didn't last long because I would just tear it again and I would keep uh, building my way up and then getting, you know, torn back down. But I think that just knowing that I was able to do it, I was able to feel good and kind of had those flashes of greatness like I was talking about. Um, no other feeling in the world um, do I get, you know, other than what basketball does to me. Um, so it's just, it's really, it's really just been that love for the game, that, that passion that I didn't feel like I could get anywhere else. And I would never be satisfied with myself, um, knowing that I, I stopped doing something. I, you know, I, I didn't fulfill my dreams when I know that I could, and I truly felt like I could no matter what, every single time. Yeah. I had doubts here and there, like maybe my body just wasn't set up to play basketball. Um, you know, I had all these things in my mind, but still at the end of the day, I felt like, um, I was, I was going to be okay. and I was going to be able to get through it. Um, and then, you know, that just carried me. As you worked your way back. And even now, as you're, as you're playing more regular minutes, when you're able to do something on the court that reminds you of, of, of how good you are at basketball, does, what sort of feeling does that give you when you can do a thing and you're like, that's me. Uh, God, that's such a hard, um, thing to kind of put into words, the feeling of it. It's just, um, I've only gotten this feeling playing basketball. It's just this, this ultimate high, um, it's kind of like jitters throughout my body and just, you know, emotions that want to just erupt, whether it's tears or, um, you know, just excitement and, and gratitude and happiness, um, but like even before the games when you know I hear the the anthem playing and you know we don't we don't go out um and support the the anthem and whatnot we we step off the floor or we take a knee um but I always remember growing up when we were um in front of the flag and we were you know doing that doing that whole situation I would sit there and I would just start crying because it was just like wow you know, I'm here, I'm, I'm living out my dreams. It was so overwhelming to me that this game of basketball can bring these emotions out, out in me. Um, and I think that I just all the blood, sweat and tears and the time and everything that's been put into the game. Um, you know, it's just, it's, re it's remarkable the feeling just knowing that I'm still here playing. 
So you put all this work in, you've been able to play abroad, you play in the U.S., you're now, you're now in the WNBA uh, working with the Mystics here. You know how to play the game, but I, but I wonder if having gone through all these things, you know how precious the, the time and the opportunity is. Is there any time where you feel like you're almost like white knuckle driving, like you want it so bad and you want to do it correctly because you haven't had the chances and then maybe you have to just remind yourself to kind of just like let let go and play the game. Does that, does that ever kind of come into your mind at all? Oh, yeah. I mean, you said it uh, right on. I think that right now, especially being in a position here with the Mystics, I'm actually getting the opportunity to play and to get on the floor. And I'm, I'm not really letting the game come to me. I'm trying to kind of, you know, force situations and – I want it so bad. You know, I want to prove so bad that I belong here and that, um, you know, I'm a player that, that there's no question if I should be on a roster or not. Uh, because I know, I know I'm, I'm a player that should be on a roster every season, but I haven't really been able to prove that yet, but I'm, I'm getting my first opportunity now to kind of um, get to prove that. But it's, I talking to my coaching staff, just relax, you know, let the game come to you. Don't feel like you have to, you know, be superwoman when you come in here and, and make things happen right away. Like we like you you're here for a reason, uh, you know, do what you do, do it well and just, and let the game come to you. And I think that that's what I've been doing. That's what I did this last game is really just say, okay, um, you know, take a step back and, and stop trying to force things, stop trying to make things happen. It's going to happen um, without, you know, feeling forced or anything like that. I, I know still a lot of work to go in Florida. And then, and then I was reading you have plans to go to Turkey once the WNBA season ends. Do you look long-term as far as what you want to do in basketball? I'm sure you still want to play for a long time, but has, you know, your past kind of put you more in like a week by week, month by month frame of mind. How do you look at basketball in the future? Um, it, it depends. It varies on how my day is going. If my, if I have a bad knee day and, you know, I'm going through aches and pains, well, then I'm like, you know, what am I going to do next season? Um, but I think my goal is to play until I'm at least 35. Um, so that means I've got four years left, three, four years left to play. Um, that's my goal. And right now I just take it season by season I love playing overseas. That's, that's been my niche. That's really where I, I thrive, I think, is in, in the European game. Um, I love being over there. I love indulging in different cultures, meeting new friends, traveling the world, playing international basketball. Um, you know, it's, it's no joke over there. That, that EuroLeague season, uh, it's just as good as the WNBA. Um, and I think I've really enjoyed playing out there. Um, so I look forward to that every year. And then the WNBA is just, it's a perk, you know, it's a positive for me. And if I get, if I get on a team and I'm playing in the WNBA, this is just like icing on the cake for me. So I, I just take it season by season, team by team and hoping to play until at least I'm, until I'm 35. And then after um, hopefully Coach Track or Erica Hughes will hire me at USC. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about you talking about how much longer you wanted to play. And for some reason, Grant, Grant Hill came to mind. I remember him getting, getting hurt at one point in his career, and he missed maybe two, two seasons. But it almost, like, gave him longevity. You know, he was able to still play. He had this freshness about him later in what should have been 
the you know the downturn of his career because he had missed certain certain parts of when the quote unquote prime of his career would have been. So you never know. Thirty five might not be the cap for you. Know, it's so interesting. You you really are hitting a lot of things on the dot. What you're saying, um, I've always you know spoke to my dad about this. That yeah, I'm 31, but I'm a young 31 year old, and we say that because for six years in college, I wasn't playing. I didn't put that wear and tear on my body like every other 31 year old did. Um, so realistically, I didn't play a game of basketball for four years, four and a half, five years, whatever it was um straight I was just rehabbing so I for me having gone through eight knee surgeries I think I'm in good shape I feel good um my knees aren't as jacked up as you would think they would be um so it's just like yeah I mean I say 35 but maybe it'll be 38 39 we have Diana and Sue that are here right now they're 38 and 39 years old and Diana's having an amazing year you know you also hit on playing uh, club basketball in Europe and, and you've lived it. So, you know, and this is no knock on fans of any sport in the U S but the passion that uh, fans have for those club teams, you know, if you're right. an Olympiacos fan, right? Like you maybe were a kid, you played there and you watched them your whole life and the whole town loves them. How do you describe that kind of love for the, for the clubs or the pro teams around Europe? Yeah. Um, I would describe it as unique interesting um kind of a situation where you have to get used to how uh big of big of fanatics that they are um i mean it's like if you're in greece and you play for olympiacos you are hated by the panathinaikos fans and vice versa and i played for both clubs so i got the wrath of switching from pau to olympiacos um you know and it's it's really um, a lifestyle for them there. And the way that they care about their sports, especially if it's a club where there's multiple sports involved, you know, you have diehard fans there that don't even know about women's basketball, but they're there supporting because you're wearing red, you're wearing Olympia Coast. So they're in there cheering, you know, cheering their ass off and um, supporting you. And, you know, it's just, it's really incredible because it's their life. And, yeah, we have rivalries here. USC and UCLA was a huge rivalry, but it wasn't to the point where, you know, people are, are fighting over it and, and risking their lives because there's been a lot of deaths and stuff when it comes to, like, overseas sports and, and things like that. So it's, it's definitely different in a transition, but it's also so cool to be able to experience both sides of it and be a part of something like that because you you learn you learn how they're like how they live and just you know sometimes you look at it and like is it like low iq are they are they not smart like why why are they taking people's lives why are they acting like this towards me because i switched teams but it's just the way that you know that they were raised and how they were born and their culture and everything um and i really had that was something i had to adjust to going over there was just the fanatics of the clubs, you know? Yeah, it is. It is, as you described, college sports in the U.S. is probably the closest comparison, but it doesn't really compare because it's on a whole other level on steroids, right? You know, as, as, right. Heated as exactly. USC and UCLA might get, right? No one's throwing fireworks and beer cans on the court at Galen, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know it. That's exactly it. 
Wild, wild stuff. Uh, you had also done some uh, time with the Greek national team. Is that something you're still involved in? Is there, is there a hope for an Olympics down the road for you? Um, yeah, so we now, um, we're trying to qualify for Eurobasket, which is next summer. Um, so we, and we have our November and February break, um, national team break from all of your club teams and you meet with your national team. So we'll play Slovenia and um i forget who else is in our bracket um but i think if we win two or three out of the four games we'll qualify for eurobasket um which is a huge deal and it's you know it's all the best european teams that go and they play in the the big eurobasket which is every two years um so you know if i'm not on a WNBA roster i will be doing that which is also amazing and then if you do well there, then you qualify for the Olympics. Okay. Very cool. So of course there's a, you know, there's a hope for that. Um, Greece, it, you know, they're not that good. We're not that good, but we're going to compete. I think we've got a good, we've got a, a bunch of fighting souls on the team. Yeah. Well, as, as we've alluded to, there's no shortage of passion, right? So you're going to have that part right. covered. Exactly. Coming back to the, to the, to the wobble here and you'd hit on a little bit, right? The teams don't, don't stand for the, for the national anthem where they kneel, they're off the court. WNBA has deservedly so gotten so, so much credit for kind of being one of the leaders when it comes to uh, social justice activism, that sort of thing. You are in the league now a couple of years. Was that something when you come into the WNBA, it just made clear, like we obviously are a basketball league, but this is also a priority. How does that kind of get spread to the new players as you enter the league? Yeah, well, I think upon arrival, we knew um, what we were playing for, and it was it was a bigger purpose, you know, mm -hmm. than just putting on a uniform and playing basketball. Um, obviously, we made a lot of sacrifices being here with COVID and everything going on. Um, but then, you know, right when, also right when we got here, we were asked, do we want to wear, um, you know, Brianna Taylor's name on the back of our jerseys? just for the first game of the season or for the whole season. And it was quickly everyone answered for the, for the entire season. You know, I don't think there's one person here that doesn't have her name on the back of their jersey. Um, so, and just what we're doing before every game, having a moment of silence, recognizing all these different people. Um, and then, you know, what happened last week, I think it was a week ago, um, the Jacob Blake situation and how we – decided to sit out of our game um, and all 12 teams, you know, took two days, a two day break um, to just kind of represent and show what we stand for. And I think that that was huge. I think um, my team in particular, we made some noise with some t-shirts that we had made and had on. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you saw it, but we all had, you know, his name across our chest and, and then we had the, on the back. Right. The back. Yeah. yeah. And this all came from um, coach Mike Tebow. He's, been around for a really long time he's been coaching for 50 years um and this was his idea and he's just I don't know I think when you have when you're under when you're in a program and you're under um an influence like that that is just so behind what we're doing and um so supportive of whatever we want to do in these situations it's just it just makes you want to be here as hard as it is um it, we it kind of just put things into perspective and it we got in a better situation because at this time everyone was tired of being in the bubble we were tired of doing the same things every day we were exhausted people were dropping like flies with injuries um 
you know, we were mentally just done. And then all this stuff happened and it was kind of like, okay, yeah, this makes us more emotionally uh, distraught and more emotionally exhausted, of course. But then it also kind of was a wake up call, like, okay, we're still here. We're going to play for this, you know? So let's kind of refocus, get back on track um, and continue to represent. And, and it must galvanize the group, as you've alluded to, right? When you have a, a coach like that who's like in the demographic, stereotypically of people who wouldn't understand what's going on, right? But he exactly. clearly, he clearly right. is plugged into it. How does that just unify everybody rock solid? Man, you said it right on. That, that unified our team in particular huge. Um, there's only – on our team, everyone is African-American except two of us. You know, so and a majority of the league is African American. So when you have, um, you know, an older white guy that's that's advocating for these things, it's just that's just like screams unity. You know, and and you could just see how our girls responded to that and how much respect that they have for him, um, which makes you want to play for him and makes you want to play for each other. And I felt so close to that team, and I had only been on the team for like. <laughs> not even a week, you know, and it was just like this thing just brought us together. And I felt like we were such a family, like so fast. This wobble process, I'm sure, as you've said, tiring, people dropping like flies. What's been, what's been the fun part of it? It it feels like a big AAU caravan all in one place, all the best players together. What's been some of the good? Yeah. um, I think some of the good is obviously what we've been talking about, like playing for a bigger purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, and spreading awareness in this way. I think there's been a lot of positivity that has came from this. Um, And building uh, relationships with other players from other teams, um, because we literally pass one another every single day, whether we want to or not. Building relationships with other coaches from other teams, that's not something you get to do. I, you know, I don't get to just casually talk to Cheryl Reeves you know, I don't get to casually run into the goat Diana and just have a conversation <laughs> or Sue Bird or Megan Rapino. you know? So it's just like, these are the positives that come out of this Webble experience. And for me, there are a lot of positives. Um, am I tired of this routine? Am I over this routine day in and day out, you know, being in this hotel and eating the, the food and this thing? Yeah, of course, these are things that are just like, oh, okay, I'm over it. But there are so many great things that I could take away. I think someone needs to write a book, you know, on the experience here because it's just so unique in so many different ways. But I would say the biggest takeaway is building the relationships, um, you know, experiencing things that you wouldn't get to experience if this wasn't here. Um, I don't know. Yeah, those are the main things. Sure, sure. Jackie, really good stuff here. We finished with three three quick questions in every What's Good interview. Yeah. I'll give them to you now. First one, what's something you're doing for yourself? Maybe it has nothing to do with basketball, kind of more of the self-care mindset, something you're doing to take care of you. Um, well, aside from like the obvious recovery, like that I do every day for my knees and for my body, um, I've been like drawing a lot. Um, I'm an Adidas athlete. I'm one of 15 Adidas athletes. And every week our rep, um, she sends us a gift once like week one of the bubble, week two of the bubble. Um, and like this last or one of the last um, gift packages was like a bunch of arts and crafts. 
Um, so just like doing things like that, I don't know. I didn't, I never knew that it would make me as happy as it did. Uh, <laughs> but just kind of like, you know, tuning myself out, putting my phone away, listening to music, just kind of drawing and doing things like that. Um, just like self-care things that, uh, that we got for gifts has, has been great. Um, like they sent us a little guitar and like with a, um, an instruction, like beginner's manual, how to play. And it's just like things like that, you know, just to kind of pass the time. Um, and I've been reading a lot and that's one thing that I, I miss doing because when I'm overseas, I have a chance to read a lot because I have a lot of downtime. Um, and then just being here and just passing time by that laying out by the pool and I have my book and stuff. I've been able to read a lot. So that's been good. Perfect. I mean, everyone was supposed to learn some other skill during quarantine, whether it was baking bread. So you're now an artist and a guitar player. So <laughs> there it is. That's it. What's, what's something you've done for someone else? And I know it's tough. You're with all the same people, but is there anything you, you even, even a small gesture you've done for someone else, friend, family, something else? Um, yeah. So uh, I made friends with one of the people here. Um, we get tested every day for COVID every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've made friends with a lot of the people that test us. Um, and like, uh, one of the ladies that, that tests me particularly, she likes wine and I have a ton of wine here that was sent to me by just a lot of people from back home. Um, you know, just like being able to make someone's day and just, you know, give up, give my friend Leanne a bottle of wine. That was one. <laughs> and i love wine i'm a huge wine person so oh very nice what's your what's your go-to wine um probably uh, i don't know if you've heard of ironstone ironstone wine but there's okay. a zinfandel in lodi california um in 2018 they had like the best zinfandel in all of california really good ironstone wine i'm friends with the family too oh nice okay uh, all right yeah so if you're ever in the store and you see ironstone i told you about it got it ironstone wine i will i'll write that yeah. down I'll, the, I'll, the 2018 zinfandel i'll pass on to my wife my you know i'm i'm terrible at wine i can tell you is this red or white that's the extent of my wine knowledge. <laughs> okay yeah. uh, well, living in italy for four years i had to kind of learn wine there yes I you do you do you do uh, and then the last thing, and you talked a bit about some of your escapes, but when you're just looking to um, kind of relax and l laugh at something, what's, what's something that really, really makes you laugh? A show, a book, something else? What do you turn to? Um, probably uh, there's an Instagram handle. I don't want to say the word, but it's the F word and then Jerry. Yeah, okay, I've seen that, yes. Okay, yeah, I'll just go and scroll on that or like go on some random funny Instagram site and just watch videos or go to TikTok and watch all the ridiculous videos on TikTok. That always puts me in a good mood. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Jackie Jim this was awesome. So good to talk with you. Uh, really uh, pumped yes, for everything thanks. you're doing and uh, wishing you all the best. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. This is a great interview and I, I, your questions were awesome. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks and good luck the rest of the way with the Mystics. All right, cool. Fight on.